0: Lectionary Lab Live is recorded live in Gainesville, Florida, and Brasstown, North Carolina. Welcome everybody to the Lectionary Lab Live. I'm John Fairless. I'm here with my bubba, Delmer Chilton. Hey, hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Hey, man. Good to hear from you today and get with you as we prepare to talk a lot. Uh, scripture's here. Think about preaching. We are coming to a movable Sunday, kind of depending on how long the epiphan- after the epiphany and before Lent starts, et etc. Et this is Transfiguration Sunday. Or you may consider it the last Sunday after the Epiphany. But these are the texts for February the 11th, 2004. I want you to rear back, grab a handful of these texts, and tell us what you got going on in your mind today as we think about uh.
1: preaching. Yeah, it gets moved around because Easter gets moved around. Yep. So whenever Easter is, and it's really early this year, we're, we're, we get done with Easter before April. Usually it's in yeah. April, but it's last, last we've had March, a, so
0: We've had a short time after the Epiphany. Yeah. Push, yeah. Pushing
1: it back. So February 11th is the last Sunday after the Epiphany. It is Transfiguration, which means with the 11th that... Wednesday will be both Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. Now, uh, talk about a clash of religious and cultural imagery. That's going to be interesting.
0: And if your practice give up chocolate, lent, you're basically screwed.
1: I, I don't know what or I, I don't know what you're gonna do. Well, uh, scarf that stuff down. Uh, during the daylight and, uh, and pretend like lent begins at night i don't know uh i am i got an invitation uh last minute kind of invitation to preach at the uh, episcopal church on this particular sunday i'm kind of the uh i'm the backup if something happens and they call and say oops well who we had is not coming and we need somebody are you available and i'm like you know i'm always available so <clears throat> transfiguration and um I got in touch with the uh, choir director because he's a friend of mine. And I tried to, with a straight face, suggest that uh, maybe he, he and his wife could do a duet of You Light Up My Life, for Transfiguration. <laughs> but oh. um, I, I didn't get any response. I don't know if uh, <laughs> he was so offended or he just said, that that is so tacky, I'm not really, even going to we'll, uh, talk about
0: it. We will pass on. <laughs>
1: So, today uh, is Transfiguration, and it's one of those days that the gospel lesson and its storyline is the thing. Right. It is what we're about today, and the other texts refer, allude, underline, they are picked for either they were precursors, foreshadowing something that happened here, or give reflection on it. So, the main thing today is this story of of jesus going up on the mountain with peter james and john and being transfigured uh elijah you know the king's lesson has elijah and an ascension and that's elijah shows up in the gospel mm-hmm. lesson the mm-hmm. psalm uh you've got god present in fire and storm and voice shining and that's forth all yep that's all in the gospel lesson, and Corinthians makes reference to that story that's not in the Hebrew scriptures for today, but often we use on transfiguration of Moses' face being veiled to see the glory, veiling and unveiling and and lights and voices and that sort of thing. So that's what I'll and we'll talk about all of those. Right. But, again, the main thing is um, – this gospel lesson that's patterned the episode is patterned after moses uh theophany seeing god on mount sinai you have basically the same things happening to jesus here that happened to moses on, during the theophany you have um going uh, up on the mountain you have um, six days, a cloud, glory, voice, a descent, Moses' face shining because of the experience, et cetera, et cetera, And it's patterned to reflect that because of Mark and Matthew both kind of emphasize a bit of Jesus as a new Moses right. in the way in which he operates. So be aware of that as we go through that. Uh, and it, this story is in all three synoptics, and they're almost identical. Um, I taught a little bit at uh, the uh, Interdenominational Theological Seminary in Atlanta, just an occasional course on uh, polity and constitution, an exciting thing. But uh, I did teach long enough to be able to identify plagiarism when I saw it. (laughs) And it's like they're trying to look alike. But I don't want to. I don't want anybody to know I copied off Mark's paper. You know, Mark the priority of Mark, and then there's Matthew and Luke because it's pretty much identical except a few things here and there, and I added a little bit. And like I said, it's almost like well, I better add something that's mine or they'll know I copied.
0: The um, modern day term is spin, not in terms of political spin, no, but spinning somebody else's uh, thoughts, ideas. You just Say the same thing, but you need to say it in a different, you know, kind of turn yeah. the words around. Say, "Yeah, we got a little spinning going on here," uh. But essentially, you're right. There's essential agreement on yeah. this episode, and uh, it's kind of, you know, what is its impact? What is its meaning? Why do Why do we have it?
1: And and moving from this homogenizing of the synoptics to Mark in particular, you have to pay real close attention. That where Mark placed this, this is a key transition point in Mark's Gospel. As you're getting ready to proclaim uh, chapters one through the first part of eight, he's teaching, he's healing. There are crowds. It's it's taking place all up around Galilee, you know, and up on the northwest Tyre and Sidon, up to the over the Decapolis, which is over to the east of the Sea of Galilee. But it's it's all up there, right? And then today, we've got kind of the last, well, let me say, the last part of chapter 8, which it says six days after. That's the whole, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the the Christ. And then Jesus says, well, I've got to go, you know, suffer and die. And Peter says, no. And get behind me, Satan. All of that episode. Six days later, you got the big reveal. And from that moment, when they come down, chapter it comes down ten, they go from Galilee to Jerusalem. Chapter eleven, it have Palm Sunday, and twelve through sixteen, Holy Week. Okay. This is the moment he walks down off that mountain and heads for Jerusalem. This is the yeah. transition point. And, this is yeah. building up who I am to an ultimate reveal on the mountain. Then he comes off the mountain and heads for Jerusalem right. to fulfill all the passion predictions he has been making. Right.
0: And this is uh, also one of those Sundays where you have to kind of help people, but you have to be careful not to make a mountain out of a molehill, but That's to understand, right. you know, we've been tripping along pretty well here from Advent to Christmas and to Epiphany, you know, and early ministry, and now all of a sudden we're... Time-wise, chronologically, we're skipping ahead a good bit in the gospel account, and then we're going to come back a little, and then we're going to go back through. So, yeah, getting here, this Sunday is a transition, not only as Mark writes it, but it's obviously a transition for us from this season after Sunday, preparing for the season of Lent, and then into Holy Week. But it is a little bit of a... Uh, oh, what am I trying to say? Sometimes you watch a, like a science fiction show or something or a, yeah. a movie is filmed where here's something that's happening now, and then all of a sudden you're in a scene that was happening in the past, and then all of a sudden you're in a scene that happens, you know, not going to happen for another hundred years, and then, then you're back. Not quite that bad, but there is a little time shift yeah. going on here.
1: Well, and, and one of the things to do is we like to think about the Gospels in chronologically. You know, we like to to model the storylines chronologically. It's what we like. We like it. I like it when I'm watching a movie. Sure. You know, I hate flashbacks. Right. (laughs) Looking forward. You know, they're storytelling techniques that are good, but they're difficult to follow. The Christian year doesn't follow a chronological line exactly. It's a thematic line. Mm -hmm. The coming of the Savior, the birth of the Savior, the revealing of the Savior in Epiphany, and then it moves from this reveal to the way the movement, like Jesus moves off the mountain to Jerusalem to the cross. It is trying to show us what that in the Sundays in Lent, as we move through that, but that's not chronological. It's trying to show what theologically and, emotion- and and spiritually is going on as Jesus moves to the cross, and we just need to find a way to pay attention to that. Yeah, Without get getting you. too deep in the weeds of explaining narrative technique <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to it. the folk, we've got to lead that, them through it.
0: That's why I said, hey, let's don't make a mountain out of a molehill, but if you think it's an issue, yeah, you know, that's it. Yeah. So, by the way, Bubba, you you don't like it in movies. Inception was not your favorite Leonard DiCaprio no. flick
1: then, was it? Yeah, no. yeah. No. Well, I don't. I don't mind it when it's over, but it's harder. I'm I'm old, and it's. I got usually you. Usually, I don't what watch movies till after <laughs> after dinner, and I'm sleepy, and I just want. I want. I want a gun smoke. He bad guy comes go. to town. Somebody shoots him. You know,
0: Marshall Dillon I'm thinks sorry. of a way to get out. Get yes. him out of it. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Let us right. proceed so what with the real reason yeah. we're
1: here. Yeah. What I want to do is talk about. Kings, Psalm, and Corinthians fairly quickly, but delay the ground so that when we read the mm-hmm. text, we will have experienced these and begin to see yeah. what's working together here. So Second Kings 2, 1 through 12, this is the, uh, the uh, chariots of fire taking Elijah off. It's uh, three things to look at here. Uh, one is the travel itinerary. Uh, as you pay attention to it and, and the storytelling technique the repetitive storytelling technique so you could tell this was an oral story because it does that kind of thing in which you have th- the same thing happening over and over again uh we know this from uh goldilocks and the three bears you know <laughs> that's oh that's <laughs> she looked at the oh, bed's too hard my bed's too soft it's too hot it, you know you know the uh, technique that's well right. yeah so everywhere he goes you know the prophets come out and Say don't you know? And 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 Elijah says, "Nah, you can't follow me." And Elijah says, "I won't quit." Word for word, it happens out three times. But the itinerary is important. Gilgal was the first camp that the Israelites made when they came came across the Jordan. Bethel was a temple site and was a shrine for the northern kingdom. Then you go to Jericho. We all know the walls falling in Jericho. That was the first victory that the Israelites had. Then he goes to the Jordan, which is the where they crossed into the Holy Land. And then he goes back across the Jordan into the wilderness before he's received. Now, why did he, this itinerary? Not exactly sure of the meaning here, except A, there's a little bit of suspense of a storyteller as, is he going to go now? Nope, not yet. Is he going to go now? Not yet. Is he going to go now? Yeah. Building that up. And also, the mighty acts of God, of deepening as people were reflecting, all of these are places where God intervened on behalf of Israel, and God is going to intervene on behalf of Elijah here. So the second thing to look at is Elisha as a disciple who is seeing Sees and tells an ideal disciple, who uh, he, when he was invited to come, remember he said, "I got to go home and say goodbye to my family." Sound familiar? Yep. He went, but then when he decided he was going to go, he was all in. He killed all his oxen, which was a way of saying, "I'm all in. There's I don't no, have a means of making a living anymore." Had a big barbecue uh, for the neighbors and friends. And I'm all in with Elijah, and he would never let him go. He followed him all the way. Every time he told him to go back, he would not stop following. Yep. I'll go with him, (laughs) with him, all the way. That's an old gospel hymn.
0: That our cheese factor for today.
1: Cheese factor for the day. (laughs) And the third thing is the interesting open secret about Elijah was going to leave. Yeah. Die, depart. They knew the time, but not the place. All the prophets would come up. Don't you know? Everybody knows. And this, to me, I want to move. Remember that when we come to the business of don't tell anybody what you saw. Yeah. Open secret. I'm just playing with that. Um, so a lot of the connections with the gospel, with the mighty acts of God, ideal disciples, these didn't quite measure up to Elisha, uh, give up all in order to follow all the way. And those are just some of things to pay attention to as we look at this. I, if There's a sermon to be preached on this text But today is transfiguration. I think we preach on the gospel and bring stuff from this text into the sermon.
0: Yeah, understand what's going on here. Uh, Certainly not for today, but one of the things that strikes me is just how many prophets there were. Uh, We have a few named prophets, and we tend to think, oh, yeah, the prophets of Israel. Well, there was Jeremiah, and there was Isaiah, and here's Elijah. There's a handful of them. (laughs) They're everywhere. Where they go? There are prophets. Uh, working. And we know Elijah himself had to be convinced that God still had 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knees to Baal earlier in his ministry. But, so, uh, God is certainly not leaving uh, God's people alone. There are lots of prophets, but there's also an awful lot of attention on Elijah. He, like, prophet numero uno, he, I mean, you know, he's, he's earned his spurs by this point. And We do want to see the transfer from Elijah to uh, Elisha, but as you say, today the point is really to say, well, what does it mean for Elijah to show up with Jesus?
1: Yep. So uh, when I was in uh, one of my multiple seminaries, there was a group of hyper-pious and fairly conservative male pastors who call themselves the sons of the prophets or the company of the prophets, depending on the translation. They like to meet and pray and then come forth and make pronouncements about everybody else on the campuses, various and sundry heterodoxies. We found them highly entertaining. We waited to see what they accused (laughs) us of so we'd know what to do. (laughs) Psalm 51 through 6 Just these six verses are a call to worship for their overall psalm. Um, It's speculated that perhaps, like the it was at a temple worship, and the priest would do the first six verses as a call to worship, and then uh, perhaps a prophet, one of the prophets, would stand forth and do the rest of the psalm because it's the words of Yahweh to the people, which is a, a shift. This first part is somebody speaking to the people and calling attention to God, then the rest of the Psalm is God speaking. Uh, for today, um, it's interesting that the main thing is the imagery, um, devouring, verse three, devouring fire, a mighty tempest. Our God comes and does not keep silence. The issue of, of the speaking. And, um, The other part of this is this psalm is interesting in which it is a call to judgment and condemnation of the people that Yahweh does. It is followed by Psalm 51, which is the quintessential confession and repentance psalm that we will be using on um, Ash Wednesday and throughout Lent. So I think it's an interesting lead-in to that. The call to worship is a call to confession. And it, it's followed, not this day, but in the following weeks with yeah. confession.
0: A quick uh, connection that strikes me in this psalm is in those opening verses, the idea that God is summoning the earth from the rising of yeah. the sun to its setting. Yeah, and it's uh, I hear in that, y'all wake up. It's a wake yeah. up call
1: to the people. It's a wake up call.
0: And yeah. the what is the connection of that to this shining on the mountain with Jesus? What is what is being awakened, who is being awakened, and um yeah, by the time we get through running it through the open secret idea and the wake up call, it's 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 an interest some interesting things to
1: Yep. so quickly with second Corinthians four. Anytime a a lesson begins with and even if, you know you gotta go back and look beforehand to see what's going on. And and Paul has been back in chapter three uh, basically accused of not being clear in his proclamation. Uh, fireworks in a fog is how someone described P T Forsyth's sermons once, and that might be a way of describing Paul. There was a lot a lot of going on, going on, but they didn't really understand what he's talking about. And everybody who's ever preached has been accused by somebody of not being clear and not making it clear. And um he had been accused of not being clear. And he had a couple of responses. Uh, In chapter three, um, he made uh, allusion to Moses and the veil. And that story that's over in um, Exodus, I think, and in which he wants, Moses wants to see God. And he says, well, you can't see my face. And so he has to be what he did see and he gets his face is so bright he has to veil his face or it would terrify the people you know he has to put this veil and there's a kind of reference there so that's one thing he makes reference to back in chapter three and here he makes reference to the god of this world Uh, these folks have been uh, deceived the god of this world is satan so basically saying if you're not hearing it well, it's not my fault. It's veiled to those who are perishing. Um, Satan is deceiving you. You're not listening. You're not able to hear, um, which is an interesting kind of thing. How do we not? How? It's a question of we preach the gospel as clearly as we can. Why do people not hear? There's an old leadership magazine cartoon where a guy's leaning on the pulpit with a kind of disgusted look on his face. And he said, I've been Preaching about the transforming power of the love of Christ for six months. How come y'all look like the same old bunch? Mm. It is is a key question. So that's pretty what he's responding to. But verse 5 then becomes fairly important. In which he says, here's the thing. I'm not talking about myself. Y'all are attacking me. But I, I try not to proclaim myself. I proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, and that's what I got. I think that is, that ties very much so to what happens in the Revelation. Is Jesus has been teaching, preaching, healing. He asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? They said, you're the Lord. And then he tells them what he's got to do. And they say, oh, not to you. Hmm. And he says, they go up on the mountain and he is revealed in his glory. This is who I really am. Take all the veil off. This is who I am. And this is what Paul is saying here. This is not about us. It's not about me. This is Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the key part of this story. And then it moves into let light shine out of the darkness. That connects this Jesus to the light that shines. Gives light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. There's a direct connection. God's glory is shining in the face of Christ. And my all I'm trying to do is show you the face of Christ.
0: Yet another connection to the creation the beginning of it all. We've seen that a couple of times. And it'll come back again we enter Lent, the text. Uh, This is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And now this light is the glory of God in Christ.
1: So. So all of this, and we've got to remember that Corinthians was written before Mark, though it happened after the events related in Mark. It's another one of those chronology things. So we've got... We've got the background of the King's story and the the awareness of Elijah and his his transformation. There's an awareness of Moses' theophany among the people that are reading this gospel. There's an awareness of the Psalm and there's an awareness of the stories of a uh, pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. There's all of this stuff is there mm-hmm. as they read this story and you have this story and it follows on. Jesus trying to say, this is who I am. Right. What it means for me to be the Christ is I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And then I'll be raised again. Oh no, Lord, we don't. that don't sound right. Six days after, later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, representative right. disciples like Elisha, Led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. It's the same word as metamorphosis. He was changed. Metaphoron. his shape. He shape-shifted yeah. in front of them.
0: This was not gradual like Gregor Samsa. This was uh, this was kind of yeah. all at once. Boom.
1: It was uh, if you're a Deep Space Nine kind of guy. Uh, shape-shifters, people who can change from one shape to another. But the key is, underneath whatever shape going on with Jesus, there is a real true who he is. I think the key is, he had become human, incarnate, to be with us. And in this moment, it was revealed as to who Jesus really is, and it overwhelmed
0: him. I think that's an outstanding point, and it's not one I've always thought of trying to figure out what this transfiguration is about. And so instead of trying to do all this work with the Greek and Morphe and, you know, Soma and all this kind of stuff, the idea that, boom, the veil is lifted, and for these moments, these fellows see this, and in essence, it's Jesus saying, look, this is who I really am. I'm just walking with you guys in a way you can understand and relate, and I'm, I'm here to do work. But... In terms of who I really am, you caught a glimpse on the mountain. Now, just keep that to yourselves for a while.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah. You can't handle it. So you got this this dazzling white and such as no one on earth could bleach them. You know, all of this attempts to explain. But really what happens is the veil that Jesus has voluntarily adopted to be incarnate and with us gets lifted for a brief moment. So much so that it it's almost like there's a rip mm. <laughs> in the space time continuum for a moment, and there he is with Elijah and Moses they are the Peter James and John are seeing who Jesus really is and seeing who he really hangs with that kind of that holy thin place in the universe, and there they are now oftentimes and i I've used this too. And I think it's true that that's representative of law and prophets. Right. And that Jesus completes the law and the prophets. But another thing about these folks is that um, they were with the Lord only when they died, basically. There's a uniqueness to their passing. Moses was alone with God and died and the Lord buried him. That's interesting. The Lord buried him, and nobody knows where his grave is. You know, so uh, uh, so they don't go worship Moses. They remember to worship the Lord. One third. There's that, and then you've got Elijah who got rode the chariots of fire off into heaven, and they're waiting for Elijah to come back. I think there's a sign. There's something there that's trying to say. Really, think about who you're dealing with here. Death was not going to be the end for him either. I could get There's that message is sitting there. Yeah. You can play with that all day long. I,
0: I could get lost in the quantum uh, wormhole here yeah. with with all of this. Yeah, but it, it is fascinating. And yeah. uh, the the old gospel song taps into this on a very primal level. This world's not my home. I'm just passing yeah. through. And and you got yeah. Moses passing by. You got Elijah by and Jesus has no trouble stepping into that sort of other worldly realm yeah. um, but then boom it's done and, and Jesus is back and it's Jesus alone and your, so, your connection you've already pre-given us to the voice pay attention to this one this, this is my son you know this, this is the one and and there it is so yeah it's it's, it's quite fast.
1: So, so the next, so what happens next is uh, it's over. It's sort of, it's not quite over yet. So Peter's sitting there. I love this line in verse six. He did not know what to say, and <laughs> I put in parentheses, but that didn't stop him from talking. From
0: opening his mouth.
1: This is and Peter, I, yeah. I, I resemble that remark. <laughs>
0: uh, uh,
1: yeah. He didn't know what to say, but that didn't stop him from talking. Mm-hmm. Now. There are a couple of things here. And you can play around with the, the, the booth and the festival of booths and all of that. But I think what's significant here for me is that this was what Peter wanted Messiahship to be about. Glory.
0: Glory.
1: Glory. Let's just stay here and bask in this glory.
0: We're all up in here together, and this is
1: great. Yeah, let's just be here, and this this is the, for, for Peter, it feels like, I'm terrified, but this feels like what we've been working for, what we believed when you said, follow me. This is what we thought, and he said it, and then they were overshadowed, and the voice said, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Is that listen to him in the future, or is that he's been trying to tell you what it means for him to be the Messiah, and you need to take up a cross and follow, and y'all ain't been listening, so we're going to try to get you to listen.
0: Are, are you saying this is a moment when God kind of went up beside their head? Bam!
1: I'm yes. telling you, listen, y'all...
0: Something like my
1: grandpa's story about the man and the mule and the mule <laughs> supposedly would do anything you told him but the mule wouldn't do what he told him he called the man he ordered or bought it from and said listen this mule's not behaving the man came over and said well show me what you do he said all right mule come out here and back in front of that plow the mule just stood there well the man who sold him looked around, picked up a two-by-four, whacked him right between the eyes so hard it brought him to his knees. Then he said, now come on out of that stall and back up to that plow, and the <laughs> mule obediently did it. The man looked oh. at the, the the man who bought it, the new owner, and said, I forgot to tell you, you have to get his attention <laughs> first. <laughs> this, is, this is God getting... Peter, James, and John, and our attention mm. to listen. I think that bit fits with the story. Listen to him. The original, which funny enough, we'll come back to next week. But the baptism, the epiphany begins and ends with the baptism of our with the language of the of a right. voice from heaven. The voice at the baptism. The you are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. At the end of Epiphany, on this day, it says, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. The vo- Listen to him yeah. when he tells you what it means to yeah. follow.
0: The voice is pitched on each occasion for those who need to hear it. Yep, The one who needs to hear it, the son, that was an affirmation. About to be yep. driven into the wilderness and face all kind of stuff, but that was an affirmation. Now, who needs to? Those are going to carry this on. And either, I I, I do like your interpretation of, uh, you hadn't been listening, now you need to listen. Or, as Jesus says, look, keep this to yourselves until after resurrection. It's all going to come together. You're going to get it later, but you're going to need to. So, yeah, the voice is pitched for our ears right when we need to hear it
1: well and, and messianic secret is a is a there's a lot of debate about what it what it means i know at least one thing that it means is it's not possible to understand what you've just seen until after the completion of my mission of life death and resurrection and it says until after the son of man had risen from the dead It becomes a part of the proclamation of the risen Christ. Not the proclamation of the earthly Jesus walking around teaching and preaching. That's a different story in a lot of ways. And this was, uh, what's that hymn line, Foretaste of Glory to Come?
0: Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine.
1: divine? This is a bit of foretaste of saying, listen... To these people and he doesn't want them to say but he wants to double down with them till they know what's going on so that basically I don't want to fight with y'all about this no more I want you to understand this is what's happening this is who we are and it goes back to that ending of uh, that piece I mentioned in 2nd Kings about an open secret the messianic secret is kind of an open secret it's not that nobody knows, it's just nobody talks about it. Or at least Joseph doesn't want them to talk about it. He doesn't want it to become a part of the proclamation. I think part of the thing is, every time he says this, and and this is this is going to be some good old Lutheran theology of the cross, theology of glory. Every time he says, don't tell anybody, it's about glorify, glory stuff. Healings, this moment, and others. He doesn't want people coming. To follow for the wrong reasons. Right. He doesn't want people coming because in hopes of of uh, latching on. Yeah. To the gravy train. Yeah, the other the other thing here that remind that's interesting for me. Uh, recently we had the text in with the story in which jesus did all the healings at, at peter's mother-in-law's house right and then he goes off to pray and the whole city had come and they're looking for him because they want to keep this thing going and he's prayed and he said yeah we need to move on we got to move
0: on uh, it's this healing business is great but it's not the main thing i got not I the go main do thing
1: the- i need to go out and talk about repentance in the kingdom of god I think that's another part of it here today. He said, yeah, we could stay here on this mountain and y'all could go get people to come and see this. And, but to what end? Yeah. there People need to know that people can come and stare at Jesus and know that, oh, God's glory is here and be awed by it. Or they can see him take up a cross sacrificially. They can see what it means to follow and they can begin to live their lives in that manner with one another. And if they don't, if we don't go through this through all the way to the end, if they're looking for another glory moment, they're going to miss what's really important about how we live our lives. The call to take up a cross and follow. And as we move into Lent, that's where we are. We are looking at the way of the cross leads home. But it's not a straight shot,
0: and everything stopped. I'm gonna try to bring you back. Now are you back?
1: Frizz up on me! I am. You stopped. You froze too. So now there you are. Because your there connection's you unstable.
0: Network is struggling. Yeah. So. Give me that the way of the cross because that's where it dropped out
1: the way of the cross leads home right but it's not a straight and easy route Ooh. i like it's it. not it's not a gps shortest distance easiest route it is following jesus where you need you need to go
0: where he me, I will follow. Man, we got all kind of gospel song references that could <laughs> could happen yes. this week. But no, I, I think that is absolutely it. If nothing else, well, I'm not going to say if nothing else. Among the many things that are happening here, I do believe that wake up call. That I don't know a two by four upside the head. It's probably not the best image to use, but <laughs> uh, something that kind of stuns us out of our normal. Uh, way to think about this and and then the fact that this call to follow this 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 message that Jesus was so driven to proclaim is a message that demands response. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. repent, believe the good news I mean that that is yep. a, a response oriented call, and so it's not enough to come and gawk at the miracles or to stand in yeah. front of the transfigured Christ and be amazed uh, or terrified or any of these others there's there's a different response to be had here and this day prepares us for that we share that wake up call
1: well I, and i'm really clear that the key element is the transfiguration is not changing in jesus into something new it's re, it's revealing who, who he Jesus always is. has been. Yep. Well, Like the veil being, well, like on yep. the theophany. And and Jesus has veiled himself to be incarnate among us. The Christ has. And this is a moment of changing into who he's always been.
0: Well, that's, and that is so consistent with what we've said is our theme of the Epiphany. Season after Epiph- the Epiphany. It's a revealing of who Jesus is. Now we're getting set to shift to the season of Lent when I think I've heard you say we begin to see um, sort of why Jesus came or who, who this is as the Christ, the Messiah, yeah. and then what that means for us as we right. follow this Christ. So it's a, it's a wonderful development.
1: What it, what it means to take up a cross yeah. and follow, which it. is a consistent invitation. Yeah and without without the and lent is all about saying what does it mean to pick up this cross in so many areas of our life what does that really mean
0: well let me tell y'all if you ever need a really great sermon on what it means to take up the cross and uh, focused on uh, the text for Simon of Cyrene you need to call oh brother bishop James Dixon of Gainesville Florida um who we we used to talk about. Uh, I used to hear him say about an old preacher, man, he can really shell the corn. Uh, Bishop Dixon really <laughs> shelled the corn for us a few weeks ago. Uh, talking yeah, about... you
1: should you should go to Venice UCC on <laughs> on YouTube and hunt it up, Bishop Dixon. That was a powerful piece of preaching yeah. that day. I felt, as the saying goes, I went to church. That Woo!
0: Was... Ain't it true? Yeah. we got good stuff yet to come so our uh, best wishes and prayers for all of you however you will be proclaiming in the coming week and whatever that may be and we'll be back next time as we prepare uh, to enter Lent work with those great texts Bubba I've enjoyed it but I reckon uh, there's not much left for us to do today other than to tell everybody bye
1: everybody bye Lectionary
0: Lab Live is a two bubba's under Bible production. Our opening theme is Top of the Morning, performed by Track Tribe. We go out today with Don't Leave Home Without Jesus. This is given to us today by Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives. Don't leave
1: home without Jesus. Take <laughs> him.
0: your key, maybe forget your phone forget your second notice on the past too long overcoat laptop GPS, checkbook grocery
1: list, all that mess, but
0: don't, don't leave home without Jesus take him everywhere you go, oh, oh, oh don't leave home without Jesus every time he's ready to roll maybe hey, your friend be The darkest hour Help you hold your Savior With the Holy Ghost of power Don't leave home without Jesus
1: Take him everywhere you go
0: Let's forget the lie Forget the temptation of a wandering eye Forget about the liquor Forget about the dope Remember King Jesus is your only hope Don't leave home without Jesus take him everywhere you go Don't leave home without Jesus Every
1: time you're ready to roll He's the good shepherd the great I Am, Alpha and Omega do the wandering Lamb. Don't leave home without Jesus, take Him everywhere you go, take Him everywhere you go, take Him everywhere you go.